What have we got for you this weekend? On S4C, we have got an absolute beauty. We're stepping away from the JD Welsh Premier League action and we are heading straight in to the Welsh Cup. We've got a classic, a classic tale of underdog playing home, tight pitch, compact, trying to make it difficult for the team from the big league, from the Premier League. We've got Flint going Going well, going good guns in the uh, in the Cymru Alliance. They are hosting Ballatown, so we will see if we will be witnessing a shock this Saturday night on S4C. Oh, an absolute cracker. Flint against Bala, S4C, 7.30 this Saturday night. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen. His seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot, but in the long run, your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long Welcome everybody, or welcome back, if you are fans of the show, to the Long Man's Football World Podcast with myself, Owen Tidder Jones, today, or this week's guest, Mr. David Cottrell. Recently retired from playing, played for a number of clubs, Bristol City, Wigan, Birmingham, uh, somebody in India, I'm not sure, I haven't done my homework very well, um, so loads of experience. Plenty of caps for Wales, a couple of goals thrown in there as well, part of the Euro 2016 squad. He's got a story to tell and I'm sure everybody's aware of interviews he's done since retiring about his his troubles, um, his, his demons. So it was good to catch up and, and get into it all with him, both good and bad. Um, because obviously some dark times, we, we all have them, um, but they, David seems to have had more than most uh, dark times where your mind plays tricks on you um, within this this beautiful game that we all love, that we all know and love. So it was good to catch up with him. Big thank you to him for being as honest as ever uh, into into his experiences. And hopefully they help. Hopefully they help anybody who listens. It doesn't have to be a football player. It's good to talk, as they say. So without any further ado, let's get into the conversation with David Cottrell. Enjoy. Mr. David Cottrell, here we are. Welcome, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for my coffee. Oh, this, this has got to be the biggest honour of hang your career, around, never mind after playing. Hanging around with you? Yeah. It's always a joy. 
but your frame is beautifully long. So long, eh? <laughs> there you go, the Longman's Football World Podcast, mate. <laughs> I could have called it anything. Could have called it the Giraffes Football yeah, why, Podcast. Why, you come, why did you come up with that? I think it was up in Scotland. Um, the amount of nicknames I've had, like Giraffe, Corner Flag. I remember just calling you Giraffe, like Giraffe quite a lot with Swansea and with Wales. Lamppost, um, Tree. But up Scotland, <laughs> up in Scotland, generally you're either the wee man, you'd be the wee man, yeah, or the big man, and then I had the to long fair, man. Every I, I think I'm in in the middle. I'm quite hench as well, to be fair. Nah, <laughs> trust me, that you'd be the wee man. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good. Get really busy with um, things I'm doing, but yeah, good. Yeah. So how long has it been since you retired? It's been about four weeks now. Is that it? Yeah. Since you officially announced officially it? Officially retired. It's about four weeks, but it feels a bit longer because, well, I didn't kick a ball for fucking about four months. Go on, lad. Keep talking. Yeah, keep so, um, yeah, that's that's it. But probably about four weeks I've been, been retired for and I've just been chock-a-block ever since. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I was retired. When have you been taking it easy? But I've been way, way busier than when I was playing. So tough decision or was it something you've been thinking about for a little while? It was quite. A t- it was a tough decision, as in, in the sense of you know, football is all of kind of what we all know, for a period of time, um, but I thought it was the right decision when I did announce my retirement, and then I got the, got the call saying, right, this this paper's going out now, and it's going out all in the media that you retired, and I, I remember that I was driving home from Cardiff to see my wife where we live, um, in Windsor. And I was literally just, fuck, I had to pull over about three times. I broke down and cried and just think, fuck, what's going on? But I'm glad that I've made that step. I'm not, I don't regret it. So different, different to a lot of us, like for me, injury. So you've got, you've got a knee. I had a knee problem, which forced me to retire. You didn't have an injury as such. So do you think that itch is going to come back? No, I don't think so. I, for like three or four years, I was I had like a part of my cartilage just come away, so I was managing my knee every day, and it was just like a grind of just getting out there for matches and and training, um, and preparing yourself like mentally as well, which obviously I've touched base on before with mental health. And I just felt like enough was enough, and I had because I didn't play for probably since February as well, um, two thousand and eighteen, to obviously you know till I retired. I kind of was slowly getting out of it anyway, so I prepared myself. Um, and this way, I've I've ended it on my terms rather than you know if you're being told like yourself you have to retire because of injuries, that's probably more difficult. So you felt more a relief, like because I probably I, I had that I had a long process where I was in pain every day, and you know retiring. Although it was an injury, it was also on my turn. I knew like my level was dropping, and and it was just time. Mm. Whereas, if you're that player, and that just meant it was like I was just just I felt the relief. I, I I swear to God, I felt the the pressure off my shoulders. I didn't have to answer questions when you're going to be back fit or are you injured and this and that. I was so sick of it. So it was a relief. Whereas if you're a player that is used to playing week in week out used to training day in day out and you have that one big injury yeah and then you're forced to to retire it's a different ball game that's a that's a that's a tough one yeah so because so at least we haven't had that yeah no that's good i think that's the, i think touching on what you just said there i think as a footballer it's nothing more annoying obviously everyone thinks it's the, the be all and end all and it's the conversation 
obviously it's automatically that someone's going to go, how's football? How's this and that? But you get phone calls off people and they're like, how's football? Straight away. Not as in like, oh, how are you? Or how are your family? How's your wife? It's just straight, how's football? Hmm. That kind of pissed me off really in that industry. Whereas kind of, you know, we're still people like ask how, how we are normally. Um, I think you, when you with your closer friends, you normally do like when we used to go away to Wales. You know the great group of lads there would actually genuinely ask you how you and the family are. Yeah. Where it wasn't always about oh, how's football going, blah blah blah. It was always about something else. Football's a weird one, isn't it? it? It's taken me a little while to to understand it because I was similar when I played or when I played. If I had a phone call off mum, dad, whoever. One well, very often, was it? <laughs> when I played, no. You know, just general, when I was living that world, and then the phone call had come. And you're talking, the phone call would last 20, 30 seconds. That's it. You know, my mum my and dad are probably thinking, oh my God, what is that? He, he hates talking to us. Yeah. Because the question might be, how was training? Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> you know, how's it going? Yeah, fine. My answers would be so short. Then you almost have to step away from it and, and realise... You know, we are we were lucky enough to play the game that the majority of people love. Yeah, and they grow up wanting to know more about that world. It's just when you live in it day in day out, it becomes it becomes a <clears throat> it becomes work. It becomes a chore. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, it's a job at the end of it. Because a lot. Of, don't get me wrong. You were very lucky and blessed to have played what we set out to do. But most a lot of players, percentage wise, were you know, grow to, they have enough of football, they know when they want to retire, they want to come out of it, don't get me wrong, you get a lot of people who stay in the game, but because that's all they know, they don't know how to do anything else, whereas, you know, you know, like Gary Neville and Thierry Henry, those just spring to mind, and Ryan Giggs, they just love football, don't they, where they want, they actually genuinely love what they're doing, Yeah. which is fair enough, but, you know, the rest of us kind of thing, um, you know, do grow to not like it, the politics and bullshit that's probably involved in it. But you're probably talking, you, the names you've mentioned there, guys who, they, they will have had their own adversities at some stage, at one stage or another, but generally, you know, you're talking about high-level performance. High-level. That stayed at that high level, yeah. that played regularly. Giggs had his hamstring troubles and this and that, but he was yeah. always that Man United player. When yeah. he was back fit, he was playing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He never was like, yeah, they never went, I know what you're saying, where they never had... Um, struggles maybe with the politics and in and out of the team as, as much yeah yeah in terms of you know that your level drops and all of a sudden you're out of contract and a club doesn't want you but in fairness to them to play at that high level for that it's just yeah it's a credit to them freaks of nature aren't of they of course they are yeah. of course they are but, but we maybe cover more generally not a, I'd class myself as a journeyman do you know what I mean you, you've yeah been around you've been around as well but more sort of championship level if, if you like um, but still you're scrapping you're thinking oh contract's running out you're yeah. on the phone to your agent saying you know what sometimes you you might be blaming your agent that more offers aren't coming in but the truth is if, clubs, want, if clubs want you they want to get you yeah that's what I was saying when um, you know, the truth of the matter is you're only as good as your player as an agent I think hmm. um, but also on the back of that agents can help and put you in touch with the right places like I for example you know I've had managers and and clubs and you know etc just coming up to me and saying well we didn't know you were available at that time if we did if we knew we would have got you in and not used our budget kind of thing yeah. and they're people that actually knew at the time um and and then that's just that then you just missed the boat don't you before you know it, you're, you're scrambling for a club and that's the reason why i kind of retired as well i had 
I had offers to stay into football. I had an offer again the other day to come out of retirement, do this and that. But it's kind of like, I want to get into something now where it's longevity rather than in a year's time, I don't want to be fucking scrambling again to think, right, I'm going to put my family under pressure to then negotiate a contract somewhere else for another six to six months to a year. And before you know you're 35, you've been doing that for four or five years. And you're not really in a better place than what you were when you were, you know, five years ago. The end has to come at some stage, doesn't it? Yeah. So you're trying to control, you're trying to control that end, have more control over it. The problem comes, I think, is just financially. You know, it took me a little while as a footballer. You might have your savings or, or whatever. And towards the end of your career, you start thinking, is that it in terms of the offers that are coming in? And you're thinking. I'm worth more than that. A year, two years ago, I was I was on far more money than yeah. that. But then that last offer, in the real world, it's not, it's it's not, not a bad, bad wage. Offer, yeah. It's not a bad wage. Like when I speak to when I speak to my friends, they're like, oh, what offers have you got? Stay in football, and and I tell them, you know, the wages I've been offered, and they just like, do you know what? That's X amount of money a year. You still should keep going. But the, the reason why I kind of retired, it wasn't just because of the money. It's just because. You know, because I still had good offers to continue playing. The reason why I retired was just I didn't love it anymore. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. It was a, it was a grind every single day. And I want, I want doing stuff now that I look forward to getting up to and genuinely enjoy doing what I'm doing. So, so talk to me about that then. We'll, we'll, we'll get into, you know, mental health and, and this and that as much and as deep as you, as you want to go. Um, what sort of things are you doing then? You're four weeks retired. But then, obviously, you did the interview with with BBC with Chris Chrissy Wathen. Yeah. Um, you know, was that something that you wanted to get out there yourself? You've been thinking about it for a long time, or I speak I've spoken about it for a while. And to be fair, um, I know obviously Chris for a long time to do with the Welsh squad, and I know Jason Mohammed from the BBC. And I contacted Jason. I was like, "Look, I'm thinking about doing a few things. Do you want to meet up?" And uh, I think he kind of pied, pied me. Yeah, he blamed me. He's yeah. too big. He's too big for me now. He's on match of the day and he's doing things like this. Um, but he's, yeah. So he just that was that. And I spoke to Chris and he was um, really busy, snowed in. And I obviously contacted the media guy, uh, Robert, the uh, Welsh FA. And I said, look, I'm thinking about coming out and retiring. And he just put me in touch straight away with Chris obviously known Chris a long time, trusted him, and I wanted him to kind of do the, you know, meet the interview of talking about mental health and then uh, eventually retiring. Had you told him, not only am I retiring, but this is something that I want to get out, this is something I want to talk about? Yeah, I think the thing at the time is that when I did the mental health talk, um, a lot of, I'm not saying, no, not a lot of people, but there'd be people out there were like, oh, he's doing this just to get into the club. But that wasn't the case at all. I had loads of offers and I just decided not to take them and to try and like just come out. And I just thought it was the right time for me. You know, I struggled from the age of 13 and people who know me in the game would say, oh yeah, he's bubbly, this and that. But just because you're bubbly and you're a big character in the dressing room sense, it doesn't mean you're hiding your actual personality, if that makes sense. I, I get that asked that question all the time. Are you, are you masking something over or whatever it is? But it's not that. You enjoy the banner, and you love getting involved. And you love being with your mates. It's just, you know, the the other side of when you're on your own, basically. So, almost the emotions that you have in your own head, you go from just high to low. So, which is you know, to put it simply, which is basically a lot of like what football's like. <clears throat> the roller coaster ride is just completely up and down. It's very, 
you know, very rarely you're in between, like a balance, especially my career. Well, I thought that anyway, there was no, I was always at like lows and you get to a stage where in terms of, you know, you get consistent during games, but in, in, in the lifestyle and the way it was, I was, I was, my life was like a roller coaster anyway. In, in <laughs> what way then? Just constantly, you know, one minute I'd be probably, for example, having my kids on a weekend, um, you know, because I was single for a long time after a divorce. Next, you know, you're out on the lash with your, your boys and you go and then train, you're playing the games, you're then out again. I was constantly, constantly drinking. Yeah. And, you, and you're probably a footballer that had, not had it all, but expectations on your shoulders, sort of seen as a bit of a golden boy, if you like, because you broke onto the scene so young, mm. internationally and with your club, started off at Bristol, Bristol City yeah. and got a big move early. So you're talking... I'd imagine you you tell me, you know, good wages from a very early age, which is what's happening so much with these young footballers these days. That's that's tough to deal with because I, I I didn't have that experience. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, what's going through your mind as a sixteen, seventeen year old, and you're getting, you know, whatever whatever amount of money a week at Wigan. Yeah, because when when I was when I, it's strange really when I was fourteen, fifteen, Man United wanted to sign me, and I was actually playing centre midfield then. Um, and they wanted to take me and Danny Rose, who actually went there now, he's now at Portsmouth. Uh, they wanted to take me and I decided to stay at Bristol City because I thought that would be beneficial. I, I could sense that I was loved there and I, it was only a matter of time before I'd be in the first team. So I, offered a, I, got offered a pro, I knew I was on a pro contract at the age of 14. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of quite lucky, but I worked really hard to, to be in that position. And then so I signed a professional contract at 16 and, you know, during that time you're getting told how much money you're going to be on at 16 and you're getting good money for a 16-year-old and 17-year-old then. So then I went to Wigan for, you know, a good price tag then uh, when I was 17. I actually signed for Norwich in the morning. Right. So I, I met the chief exec from Norwich. He came down. We were signing all stuff ready to go, rock and roll. Um, and then Wigan came with a, came with a bid and... It was like a hot, a higher bid, and, and Bristol City accepted that as well, and then obviously shook hands with Norwich and just said, "Look, I'm going with Wigan, basically." Okay, but good to have options. Good to have options, especially at that age. Ernie and obviously Robbo at the time were trying to get in my ear, come to Norwich. But every kid want, at that age, if a Premier League comes knocking, especially no disrespectful, no disrespect to a team like Wigan, but I felt they they're recently promoted, new um, into the league, and I thought. It's a good opportunity. I felt I was good enough to play with those players and and right stepping stone to further my career. So that's the reason why I went there. And obviously coming up from being brought up on a council estate to go in to that sort of money, like my parents were just like, wow, we've, so, we've so, never seen anything like that before. Whether which we wouldn't know would be, would be because like you know with the certain jobs your parents have or if you're brought up in a certain way, it's it's difficult. So what did you do? You know, with that money, was it? Spend, spend, spend from, from an early um, age? Did you have advisors? Um, no, I, bought, I bought properties um, and, you know, saved and got into savings and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I was spending shitloads of money on cars and, and, and clothes for, you know, and my children at the time. Um, and that's it. I still had savings, still had properties. Yeah. But still, still was able to afford that because the Premier League is just a different whole ball game. Yeah. Like even if you stay in the Premier League, you get given ridiculous bonuses for staying in the league. Even if you played about ten games that year, you get a load of money. Yeah. Um. So it kind of 
you know, you can then put that in savings, buy on a new house, whatever it was. It's just, it's just there's, there's not enough advice, is there? I, I don't know what I don't know what we expect. I mean, what you need is the right people around you. You need an agent who can advise you and say, "I've got a financial advisor here. Please meet with him once a month." But the, the thing is with that is that in that in in the industry of football. It's kind of like, are you giving me advice properly to give me to the right financial advisor or are you taking a backhander for me, putting them in touch with me? But that's what I'm saying. That's when it comes down to trust that you have the, the right agent, isn't it? Well, that's the, that's the view. But if you, on the way of the world right now with a lot of agents, um, don't get me wrong, not all of them because there's some, you know, probably, you know, there's great guys out there who do look after, you know, pl- uh, football players. But... The big companies, you're kind of like on a conveyor belt, like you are in the football industry anyway, and they're just they not using you, but they're just waiting for that superstar to come through because they know, they're. bang, that's it. Because even I was at I was at Birmingham the other day, and there's a kid there who's 15. I won't mention his name, but he's shit hot to be fair to him, and. The parents begin offered like two million pounds off big clubs for him yeah. to go there. And it's just like it's insane. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's really difficult for the parents to advise the children. Right, keep your feet on the ground. We're going with this route. For example, we're staying at a Birmingham instead of going to Man City, Man United, or Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, wherever it might be, because two million pound will change their parents' life for one. Yeah. And the kid can then go on to a bigger club. Whether they make it there remains to be seen, but you can see what the problems like, aren't you? It's a huge problem because you're going. Do we go short term, short term success, short term goals, or can you see the bigger picture? Not everyone can see that bigger picture. No, no, we'll we'll stay at Birmingham. Yeah, you know, because if his career goes the way we expect it to go, he will end up, end up there, there anyway. sometime. Yeah. And and when he then goes there, he'll he'll be ready, as opposed to just being one of tens, hundreds of yeah. other players that are similar. But I can tell by the way you're talking, Cots, I think we've had two very different experiences, agents especially. Yeah. Now that can be because... You what could... about playing-wise? I was a bit... I want to stiff as you, was I? <laughs> I don't think so. That would be very hard to be very stiff hard, as me. It? But, you know, two different... You know, we've, we've been in the same industry. Yeah. Two different pathways, starting-wise. Um two different careers, you know, goes wherever they've gone and two different experiences with agents, I think. Now, that might be because you played at a higher level and there was maybe more of a want for for a company, a big company to sign you up. Now, I'm talking from an experience of having been with the same agency from from day one when I was at Swansea and just guys that I trusted. You know, started off with one guy, he he moved abroad and and Dan came in instead of him and... um, just guys that I knew. I speak to them now. I speak to them every week now. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So you got that like kind of friendship. Yeah. Friendship. Yeah. Now the flip side to that is if you are with a big company, and I've always said it, where it's in their diary. David Cottrell is uh, his contract's coming to an end in three weeks. Phone him. It's in the diary. Yeah. You know, it's not. Is. It's not a thing that they they're at the office. Oh, I wonder how Cotts is getting on. Yeah. It's it, your work. Your, yeah. You are actually a piece of meat of course. for their company. Yeah. And then as soon as you're done, they're, they're done they're, with you. They're, they're done with you. Do you know what I mean? It's quite ruthless. And it, it, don't get me wrong, there probably are, you know, there's some players who get that, when they're with an agency for that amount of time, they do then become friends and they end up maybe working as part of the agency. I'm not saying that, but, you know, the company which I was at, with, um, I was with, Cyril Regis was my agent, who yeah. obviously sadly passed away not so long ago. 
and he was a great guy like yeah. he I trusted him with my life you know and um, the reason why I left that agency was because one they had too many players and they were just putting players who were in my position into clubs knowing that we're going to be fighting for positions which I th- I think that's wrong yeah which you need to protect your players why would you then say for example put six players in the same position at that club to fight for those places because you're not really worried about that person you're just worried about when you're getting paid that's that's what it's all about for them isn't it you know it is, they, they get paid because that player's come into your into your club in your position yeah and the chances are oh, if Cots doesn't play and Cots wants to move that's another paycheck for us of course but I think it should be the other way around I, I don't I don't disagree with you at all I completely agree yeah. I'm just telling you that. no of course that's what they're thinking they're thinking well if these players don't get in this position we'll move them on get, make it a few more which obviously the agent the reason why they're in that business which a lot of businesses are you, you want to make money but you need to provide them with not just that service You're, you, being an agent you need to look after the you need to be there, there from a, for a personal, for, for a person, their family, if they need anything, whenever you want them, you should be there when they're in a, a difficult situation, not just like right, pick your pick up the phone when you've got a, when you've got a move on the table, basically. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you completely. So it's probably the best agents, well, like you say, they have that balance of the friendship, but then business. Uh, duty of care as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it it is absolutely massive. It's, it's just trust, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for these young players who ha- who have so much, so young, and it's it's obvious that they're going to be surrounded by, for want of a better word, leeches. It, oh, I thought you were going to say idiots. Well, <laughs> call them both. Don't, do, do don't you know what I mean? Me, no, don't get me wrong. There are there are like what you said. Your agent was spot on, and there are good agents out there, and there's good people out there. But you know, the, the thing is now is that. Anyone can be an agent. That's the trouble. You don't even have to take. You don't a, have to do anything. You just have to pay for like five hundred quid to become yeah. an agent. So it used to, it used to be that, and then there was loads of bad ends, and then it changed. You had to do an exam, didn't you? Yeah. So that obviously puts a lot of people off. Fucking hell, I'm not going to pass yeah, no, an exam. No, yeah. And now it's back to. And don't get me wrong. I don't know if I don't know if it should be an exam because, you know, ex-footballers and or whatever it might be would be able to advise a player what they need. And if that and if that guy can't pass the exam, it's kind of like unfair. Because they could probably be a lot more useful to them than someone who's got the best education in the world, for example. Yeah, that's where maybe they come in just as advisors, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, it's 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 a strange one. So you're talking about those those high times. You'd love it in the dressing room, you know, and that's that's probably that's probably one thing that you miss the most now. Um, yeah. To be fair, when I met when I met up with. Um, when I meet up with you, like, it's, do you know when you come across genuine people and you think, oh yeah, he's good lad, he is. And like, I was with um, Jermaine Easter and Danny Gavadon a few weeks back when, we, when I seen you at those awards. And you know, with those two guys, they always used to have me in stitches. And like, I miss those type of characters who I think, you know what, you make me laugh. Yeah. And you come away from that place and you just jaws aching. And so yeah, they're good guys. But um, other than that, don't get me wrong, you don't get on ev- well with everyone in the dressing room. Like, they're not your friends. Like, I, you come away from football and you probably can count on one hand who you actually still talk to which is not a lot of people considering yeah, there's yeah. 30 guys to a dressing room yeah um especially like me and you have traveled a lot with loads of clubs yeah it's a lot of people we've gone through and we've got like about four friends <laughs> no it's true you're just passing chips in the night is of the course description isn't it it's like anywhere it's like any industry though isn't it you don't um not everyone's gonna be your friend you just your colleagues your work colleagues to try and win a football match provide for your family and go home so how are you gonna cope right with 
I think this is one skill that I one skill that I do possess. You know, agility may not be one of them. Yeah. But I think this is one where you've got to adapt to different surroundings. So okay. you finish playing football, you finish being in that dressing room where you can have people off, you can be had off. Yeah. <laughs> You're now stepping into the big bad world where you're coming across other people. You can't behave like that. Yeah, I love you, it. Yeah, you can, but you you can try in your own little way. You've yeah. got to adapt. So how are you going to adapt? I, I think I could... I, to be fair, I've always been quite good in that aspect anyway. I've not just... A lot of people would be like, oh yeah, he was just always hanging around with footballers or whatever. I actually generally didn't hang around with many footballers. I always just had my own friends. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really see the football football being the be all and end all for me I always knew that I wanted to go and do something different um, so me when I'm doing like for example these mental health talks I was doing one not so long ago and it was so intense of like barristers lawyers and just talking about the whole situation of how people need help out there and it was, they were just having long conversations for hours and then I'd go on there and put kind of my little bit of banter and joke about it because otherwise it gets too intense Yeah. so that way I can get round to doing a few cheeky things and just making sure it's you know not so serious all the time um but there's also there's also people outside the football industry who've got just as much banter as people inside it so it doesn't make a difference you can still have a laugh for people who's not in football yeah it's just different isn't it? it's different you can't be as ruthless i would say because but i always got to- told that quite early on even when i was younger and you know i I'd go out when I was 18, 19, rip into a few people with a bit of banter. And in the, in the football industry, that's probably just not even touching the size in banter terms, but you could literally probably put someone into tears, yeah. which is obviously not great. But we would think, we're only joking around. And then you'd end up going up to that person, oh, I was only joking, by the way. And they'd be like, oh, okay, so I didn't know how to take your banter. But that's just what it's like. You get ripped every day, don't you? Yeah. You go in there and you're thinking... Now, if my club is not on point, you're getting ripped from the time you're in to the time you're going, you're sweating. <laughs> I think the first time we were in the same squad, Cot, would have been Wales in the 21s. Maybe around. Is that where you're going to go on about your, you hitting the crossbar and in against I, I, again? I, listen, I hate talking about that. You really? I, you've I not mentioned it much. <laughs> I don't like talking about it, but yeah, you know, it's what a strike. What a strike, that. What a strike, You have mate. quite good technique. What a strike. Surprise me. Hardest side for football. So you're, you're thinking, thinking if you had VAR. VAR, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's my career. Ch- my the trajectory of my career changes, mate. Really? Well, no Wales player had scored against England at that level for something like thirty-five years. So you haven't looked into it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I looked into it in depth at the time, mate. Thirty-five years, and I think what was the score then? I think we were two 0 down. Were we? We were popping them off the park, mate. They had all the names they first did half, names. but they then they were just good. ruthless. I think yeah. I think it was four 0 at the end, but. What a strike. Yeah, but we, we blew up. We were, oh. we were decent, but they were just next level towards the end. The half hour that we had from like, kick-off, because I can, I can name quite a few of that team. It would have been... There was, there was an article in the newspaper saying Wales is like next batch. So there was a midfield four of maybe myself, Crofty, Aaron Davis. I don't know if you would have good been player. in the midfield. Good player, Azza. As, yeah. Azza was on the wing, you two in the middle. I was on the right wing or up front, probably. I think you started off wide, but then went up top. Who would have been up top? Birchall? Remember him? Adam Birchall? Was it, I thought it was me and Craig Davis. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Me and Davo. I don't know. Davo was a character you, as well. You don't even remember anything else far from the crossbar and in. That's, that was my whole... To be fair, Huddleston played. He was joyful that day, I thought. He couldn't fucking get close to me, could he? 
Hey, get tighter, mate, because I, I am striking this mate, ball. He was just pinning your balls around. That's why you're falling up. <laughs> There's Huddleston, uh, James Milner. I tell you what, my first experience of a player at a different level was Ambrose. Darren yeah. Ambrose, he was like going short for the ball and I'd be following it and then he'd check you last second it was. and he was gone. Yeah, He was more or less in the box before I realised what happened. It was an absolute wicked. Good team, that. But that, that would have been our first time in the same squad. You would have been a young pup, 17 maybe. I'm close to turning 21. I th- um... I think I might have been. Yeah, I was definitely. Well, I was in the. I was in the first team though. At Seventeen. Yeah. Probably maybe I was sixteen. You've been quick. When, when did you make your debut? Seventeen for Wales. Against first who? team. Was it the Paraguay game? No, it was. Um, why do I not know this? I should know this, shouldn't I? You're just nervous about being on the podcast. Have a little think. I'm just nervous in your presence. Have a great presence just, over there. Just, just, <laughs> have, just have a little think, mate. But yeah, so you, you've gone. Probably missed out a couple of age groups. Twenty ones. Not there for long. Yeah. Bang with the senior squad. Big Tosh at the helm. Big Tosh the gaffer. Incredible memories. Joyful guy. Joyful guy. Incredible memories. What a man. I tell you what sticks out for me, right, with him always. Um, was like you go and meet him, and he'd like <laughs> when we were doing the warm up and stuff, he'd just be on the sides and he'd have his trousers pulled up so high, mm. and his big old fashioned Reebok trainers, I oh. think they were, or Asics or something. And um, you'd be turning around doing the warm-up. He's like, those knees look a bit stiff, guys. Oil them knees up. <laughs> and then we'd just be looking around, just laughing. But, you know, it's good That's time. because his knees are stiff. Do you remember, like, after, after games, he'd be giving, like, team talks or, you know, talking to the lads, and he'd just be rubbing his knees. Constantly you, rubbing them you knees. You knew there was, like, what do you call it, crick or arthritis in there, and he's just rubbing them. He's in a little uh, bit of pain. He probably had a bit of DP under his hands, just rubbing them knees off. What I loved about Tosh was uh, in the warm-up, you know, sometimes he'd take simple ones. So knees up, like you just described, knees at the, at the back, side, side steps, and then you'd have to do the turns. He'd like, right, full turn, <laughs> full turns now. You've got to stretch those cruciate ligaments. Yes. I don't want to stretch my cruciate ligaments, Tosh. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me to take them out, do you, Tosh? I just remember him as well. You'd be doing the warm-up, and I'm not joking you, he had the biggest toe point, toe point on him whatsoever. So he'd get it from like the goal kick, and he'd just toe it closest to the halfway line. But there's a sadness to that, though, isn't it? Because I had that with um, Terry Butcher in Maness. Yeah. So you're talking two guys... <laughs> Legends of football. Legends of the game. Legends of football. John Toshak, before our time playing-wise, but Liverpool, you know, I don't know what he's won, but he's done this, he's done that. Manager of obviously Real Madrid. Terry Butcher, the same. Seen as maybe like a John Terry of his of his day. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and then, at that time, they could hardly kick a ball. Yeah. Obviously with the amount of games and injuries that they had. Oh my God. All that, all that red, th- all that wine for Tosh. All that wine, yeah. you know, that's not good. That's, that's. Um, I think that's why it happened with my knee. To be fair, that's going to swell the joints up, isn't it? You know? <laughs> to be fair, I think that's why. You know, I felt better when I was drinking. I think that wine used to go in my part of my cartilage. <laughs> a bit of fluid in there. But they were funny days. Not the most successful days, you know. For I'm not surprised with some of the stuff when we used to go away. You'd be like, you know. You no one really wants to come away for this amount of time, so the most important thing is just make sure they have a good good meal time. We'll be eating Chinese and <laughs> God knows where else. Do you remember when the chef first came in? Was it David Knight? Because um, we went from your basic uh, football meals, real basic, your usual chicken and that, and yeah. then Knight, he came in, he owned the restaurant in the Mumbles. Yeah. 
and just started creating incredible Michael food. Knight his name Michael Knight yeah. the risotto <clears throat> the risotto was scary <coughs> I think Swansea players started using him as a personal chef yeah, yeah I, to be fair I, I popped down to see him when I was um, at Swansea I was living in Cardiff at the time I travelled down there but I just used to meet him he'd just give me like banoff, these banoffee pies and oh. all sorts going on he's just insane how much weight did you well not you how, how much weight did away? we used to put on for those 10 day camps we well, had a three course meal three times a day he was in oh he was so nice <laughs> it was unbelievable <laughs> it was, yeah it was unbelievable that's what good times but we had to change that towards when we went to the Euros and stuff and before that because you know we just had to cut it down a bit but still good times I mean you talk about not having that many close friends from football I, oh, I assume no. those those boys from you know, we'll talk about the Euros. We'll, we'll get into we'll, we'll get into that. But from those days, the, those are the times that you know you boys grew up together. Oh no, it's great people. Like when you you don't have to be stay in touch with everyone to know that you had a great time and to look back and have fond memories with those people. Um, like when we meet, when you you know when you bump into anyone now from when you play with the twenty ones or wherever it might be, it's always a good banner and great to see those people. Um, just well, it's fortunately for us, most of us actually ended up growing up together and went into the first team. Yeah. And those top top players kicked on even more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't know at the time. You, you, you can see a special Gareth Bale or something. Obviously, if you with Bale and, and Rambo and and Joey Allen especially, you just thought, yeah, like even though Joe was on the small side in the under twenty ones, you just knew that if you filled out a bit you'd be a top player like you never gave the ball away he still doesn't know but um, with Rambo and stuff I remember seeing him he came into the 21s I think it was and he was really young and he just had a left left foot volley from about 25 yards out when top bins then I get, then Flinney's on the side just doing his little chuckle as yeah. he does at the time he does and then he did, Rambo did it with his right foot then about five minutes later just like looking at him thinking this guy's going to be a player yeah next level talent and it's a pleasure it's, it's a pleasure to spend time on the training field with, with those kind of lads with those it? sort of players and then Baylor was obviously just next level of, and then he just carried on just going up and up the gears and just not stopping I was talking to someone about Baylor the other day and we were saying how, how strange it is if someone's got a left foot usually they're sh- shoved in at left back someone's mm. got a decent left foot he's a left back yeah yeah because I think somebody saw him growing up and instantly thought he's a centre forward. He should be a centre forward, but then because because of that left foot, yeah, he's shoved in at left back at Southampton, and he's covering the wing as well because he's a pure. Yeah, he's doing everything. Yeah, he's doing everything. Yeah, but that that guy was just on a, on another level. It's frightening, really. When people ask about what some of the stuff some of the stuff he does in training, it's just like, <laughs> you know, when we you'd be on the right wing and you're being playing, I don't know eight side or small sided game whatever it might be and you're playing two touch and he hasn't got nowhere to go next mm. you know he's dipping it over people and he's just putting the top corner it's just like and then even when we're playing 11 aside it's the last thing you need you're playing against you're already pissed off you're not in the start 11 and you've got him running at you he's taking on about you know 10 of the players and makes in the keeper or something he's just he's just a freak but obviously compare it when you look back when I first got into the squad I was with Giggs who was obviously my hero you know he's the guy that I always wanted to try and play like yeah. <laughs> or at least try and get like 2% playing the year in. but he was obviously a magician as well he was amazing but I think Bale just is takes it for me I think next level I yeah. think he's just best player that's ever worn the Welsh shirt oh and without question without, without question he's, don't get me wrong we've we've had we got we had a, when we went to the Euros and even before that we were building a good team we've had good players and players with 
gradually majority of the players are Premier League, if not top Championship team players yeah, in yeah, that yeah. time. Whereas before, no disrespect to the players, there's but a big gap. You'd have like, you know, conference players or, or Welsh Premier League players now and again coming to the squad, and then you you're trying to get those to play with people like Bellamy and Giggs. It's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and that's not disrespectful to them, by the way. No, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's just the levels you're at, and I'm sure Bale probably looks at us and thinks that as well. But it's just he's just incredible. We had a great team, and we had good players there, and we had a special talent who could just turn the game on and off whenever he wanted. He, he is the definition of uh, you know on the schoolyard. <laughs> you know we've all been that best player on yeah. the schoolyard, best player in school. He's that. Uh, what and you were? Fucking without question. <laughs> without question <laughs> just running over the kids because you were so tall 12 foot at the age of 10 bullying them but he's he's that in a professional game yeah he just does what he wants you know? I, I just look at him sometimes I just think and we'd be having breakfast in the morning he's eating cocoa pops and he's just doing and I just think how are you so ripped and like a machine if I ate cocoa pops I'd have a pop belly and he's just going out there you've been eating a few bottles yeah, of cocoa eating, pops I've been eating a few lately yeah and um been eating the packet <laughs> and, and he just he is a freak of nature. I just look at him thinking, the worst thing that's going to happen today is that you're probably going to score two goals. Mm. And it must be just the best feeling in the world, thinking that you're going to skin someone all day. That's true. He might not score, but he could have his worst game, but he will create six, six chances for himself. Yeah. yeah. How he's, scary is that? Bastard. Yeah, he's a, he is a freak of nature. So your low times and cuts. Yeah. What, what sort of things? What What would you feel? You know, is it is it a case of going from that dressing room camaraderie banter in the dressing room to going home instantly feeling low? I think it was kind of like from early on it was pressures of being a footballer. You know, like it, I think to be a professional footballer, you all have you all make sacrifices. Not or not everyone does. Obviously, you know, some of them just got ridiculous talent and they end up being fortunate. And they end up doing it. But you know, I was. I was definitely one of those ones where I wouldn't go out with my mates, go to the park and drink on a Friday night, for example. I was always dedicated to be in bed, ready to play and train. And if I would come in late, even if it was like 10 minutes, it'd be like having a bollocking, what time do you call this, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I think your parents can genuinely see if you're good enough to make it. Yeah. Especially with my dad, for example. Like he, he's been around football a long time and I think he... He should have made it as a professional and other people in my family should have made it as a professional. So I don't think he wanted me to waste that opportunity because he's seen it so many times. Yeah. Um, so then obviously the pressures of doing that, trying to win a contract, professional contracts all through there. And then, you know, it's just a, it's just a mad roller coaster. But it, certainly as a professional, you'd always feel low if you're not happy in your relationship, if you're not happy with life outside, it brings you down. So you go in into work you go into shit because you don't want to be there or you're not playing or whatever it might be you then going home to shit that you don't want to be in you're just constantly arguing or whatever it might be we are out of life um and just constantly feeling down and then you just you know you get to a point where you don't want to be around if that makes sense yeah and then that's when you talk about wine and that you'd be not driven to drink but start seeing yourself drinking more and more yeah start seeing seeing myself drink more and more and more And, and when you drink the braver you become in not such a good way because you think you're no you know nothing can hurt you you then got knives to your throat you're then fucking jumping off cars you're trying to jump out of taxis at like 70 miles per hour it's not normal and that's the sort of things you'd be doing oh yeah on a regular basis <clears throat> on a, trying to jump out of taxis jumping over cars you know just doing constantly stupid stuff after i've been out on the piss up on the night out um 
and this is quite all like even relatively new as well where I'd be like in the kitchen on the floor with like a knife to my throat or like a corkscrew to my throat trying to slice my neck my wife's just walking in on me and she's like obviously breaking down in tears yeah and then how do you how do you cope with that is it a case of sobering up and then speaking to the missus or well I'd, I'd, I'd then crash out and then the next day you know obviously my wife would say look like this needs to get sorted blah 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 and then you think right come on let's pull your shit together but then before you know you fucking it's like a week later and you're doing the same thing again but then you're constantly feeling down I'd, I'd take like days to get out of bed sometimes you know with football I'd probably play on a Saturday go out meet my mates on a Saturday night get absolutely smashed Sunday 11am meet for breakfast you're out at 12 midday for an all day to get in at like 5.30am then get taken to work on at 6.30 a.m. from Cardiff to Birmingham because you can't even drive because you're so drunk. And then you're training and you're going in a hotel room and just spending a whole day there mm. for a couple of days because you obviously you then go to train the next day but you just get yourself over it just to stay in a hotel room so you're out of the way. So how does that stop then? So is it is it as easy as you've retired from playing football and you've started talking about it that that doesn't happen now or? No, uh, course like the only like you know four or five days you, you know is ago you're in the same place and not necessarily me laying on the floor for doing that but just feeling down and not wanting to move from your bed and you know we all have it like you know some days some people a lot of people in their working environment don't want to get out of work uh, get out of bed to go to work that's normal but you know when you're trying to not move and everything's just a ball ache and, and it's difficult to get out of bed um I wouldn't, I, I kind of, I'm dealing with that maybe a little bit better than before. And I've stopped drinking as, as much as, way, you know, I don't need to drink. And I'm not drinking nowhere near as what I was before. It can't help that when you look in the mirror and you think, oh my God, I lost that hair so, so young. Mm. That's got to be a big factor, isn't it? Bald as an egg, mate. To be fair, I look absolutely beautiful. Everyone loves a shiny forehead. <laughs> Do you know what? When I, um, even now, I'm just like, even about two years ago, I thought, do you know what? I used to have a little bit of hair at the front, but now my fullbacks are pushed onto new gears here. Yeah, They're not coming back. That's Pep Guardiola style. I've had, it's got to the point now I'm actually shaving it every two days because it just grows on the side. You no, know, you're playing without fullbacks now, aren't you? But they've just gone all out attack. <laughs> just, they're not defending anymore. I'm expecting very soon to see, like, whether it's on your Twitter or your Instagram, just I've a little post. Oh, just going for a holiday to Turkey. <laughs> to get my hair done. Do you know what? To be fair, what, uh, a couple of my friends have had it done. And I, I've just never been one of these ones. I've lost my hair. I'd seen myself on Sky, actually, when I was about 18 years of age. And I had the Mr. Whippy haircut, I think it was. And it, it was pissing down with rain. I thought, wowzers, that is not acceptable. That needs to come off. So I shaved it. So I went to about four. Yeah. Now I'm just literally down to the bone. It's just it's not coming back. But I just think... Just embrace it. It's gone. I've already got a big bugle. I might as well have a shit haircut as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best, best time of you know any Welsh football fan. You know we may as well talk about the Euros. Yeah. Being part of that squad. T- tell me about the process because you would have been. I mean, no disrespect, mate, but you would have been one of the players. I'm sure towards the end where Cookie's got to pick his squad. You would have been not the one who's concrete to go. Surely you would have been making these lists. I was making lists, so I knew I was going out there to work. And did you, you put me in a list or not? I can't remember. Do you know what this podcast so well? <laughs> I can't fucking remember. Probably not, mate. Probably not. Probably not. But you know, I'd be doing it, and then you're comparing who's going to go with your mates. It depends how many strikers he take. Blah blah blah. Is that what you were doing? No, 
I, well, I, in my mind, I actually genuinely thought that I deserved to be there. I was on fire for Birmingham that season. I felt, I felt a little bit um, disappointed when we used to go away of Wales a little bit at times because every player goes away and they think, right, I'm on top form for my club. This is the reason why I'm in the national team and everyone feels that they should be playing. The only thing that I would say that is different to, to with Wales to being at a club football level is that you're all in it together more because... I actually generally wanted Wales, even if I wasn't playing, t- to win and so do less, well. So less sulking if you're not playing. Yeah, less yeah? sulking because you thought, do you know what, you actually want what's best for your teammates in the country. We're all pulling in the same direction. There's no idiots there. Mm. And we all want, the end goal was to go to a major tournament. We had a good manager in Cookie who was, you know, even if he won in the squad, wouldn't, you know, he would not play me. He would not speak to me if I wasn't starting. He, he had good man management skills. He was a good person. So I think that helped. Um, but at the time when I was going away, uh, even before, I was having a little bit more game time than, than usual after a break of not being in the squad, so I managed to get myself back in there. And I was I was playing really well for Birmingham, managed to score assists, so I, I thought I deserved to go to the Euros. thought you had a good shout, yeah? I thought so. What, was it a case, you know, we, we all know about Glenn Hoddle pulling Gaz in and <laughs> before uh, the World Cup in 98. Is that what Cookie did with, with different players? You're, I think, in, you're I, in or was it a text? I was think it a phone he, call? When, he was, when he was talking <coughs> to people, you, had, you kind of had that sense of, okay, so he's not spoken to me, so that's a good thing. It means I'm in the squad. Because he was generally telling people that they could actually go home from trips when we were in Portugal before. Yeah. So they were going home and then you'd have an email pretty... Early before the squad was announced, anyway. Who was left out? Dummett, Emir. Dummett, yeah. Um, Emir, uh, Tom Lawrence. Tom Lawrence. Which now, if you're picking a squad today, right, the second, Tom would be going for sure. You could see that he had, you know, great ability and he was always going to do that. I just, um, obviously at that time, I don't think he was playing too much for Cardiff. Just not quite ready. Cardiff, yeah, I forgot who's that. So he was at Cardiff and he won. I don't think he was having a great time there. Obviously, he's, he's done brilliantly since he left there. But then you get that email or you, you just know that you're going. Yeah. That must have been a buzz because <clears throat> we all crave, I guess, that international tournament for Wales. You know, it's happened. And then you're in that, it must have been 23-man squad. That was the best pre- thing. Preparing. I know the Sweden game was, you know, whatever. But then to head over to France. Incredible. Getting measured up for that suit. I know, I know you have suits at your clubs and had suits for Wales over the years. But this was... This was their suit. This was, yeah, it was just because it was just amazing people there. Um, we've all grown up together. We've been talking about major tournaments from the age of, well, especially in my time there, from the age of 17 to 28, I think, or 29 when we went to the Euros, I was. And so you've been talking for a long period of time. We've been had so many disappointments of the squads and this and that, and we finally clicked, and it was only a matter of time, I thought. And it was just... Yeah, it was amazing. But on the reflection of that, you go in, and even though it's amazing to be part of the squad, you, I, I, it was, you know, I look back and that's one of the main major things in my career, being involved in that Euro, Euros um, squad. But then I, that's also, it was a very challenging time for me mentally in that hotel room for so long, because you, you know what it's like when you're on international duty, you're in your room, you, I think that's why I have no hair, I was pulling my hair out, I was in the squad a little bit longer than you, that's why you've got loads of hair, but um, that's what, and I was away non-stop, and you'd in and out, and you know, my wife, she was my wife at the time, but she was sending me over Lego to build in my room, because that was my therapy, because it's just, you're on your own all the time. So that's what you do to pass, did, did you have roommate? 
No, you're on your own. You, everyone was on their own. So own. normally you'd have a roommate, but it was because it was six to eight weeks. You need to be on your own, don't you? Really, because didn't a couple of the boys move mattresses to make sure they were in together? Was it Wayne and Joe Ledley? Wayne and Joe Ledley, and I think I think um, Tails they and ended up maybe? someone else would, were in together as well. Yeah. Um, but I I wouldn't want to be with someone non-stop or for that amount of time. So it's kind of like so you're you're stuck in a between a rock and a hard place if you like you don't yeah. want to be by yourself for that length of time but you also want want your own space a little yeah. bit to do your Lego yeah to do my Lego and, you, and out of respect for who your roommate could be you, you know to tread on a piece of Lego that's fucking agony mate yeah otherwise otherwise you might not be making training the next day be like oh it's gaffer I can't train today why is I just trip on Cots's Lego wouldn't go down well would it <laughs> so what sort of things would be going through your mind then without your Lego you're in that room for that length of people I was just thinking I was just getting pissed off of it like Obviously, you're not playing, you're training, and when you're that in that environment, you're so competitive, you want to do the best you can, because we're all there to play. You're not there, you don't want to be there just to make up the numbers. Obviously, it's great to be involved, but you all want to go to say, look, I've played in the Euros. Um, so you'd be trying, trying your best to play, so then you'd be going back, and then you're obviously, you're away from your kids, you're away from your wife, or whatever it might be, and you're away from people you can actually talk to, and because the industry that you're in you haven't got really no one to talk to on that level yeah but Cookie was always you know he's spoke about as like a brilliant man manager yeah you've you've touched on it in that environment when you're not playing you know I, I just think he had a way of making anyone feel special without bullshitting you know there's an honesty about him he's a real man's man yeah did you sense that was it a case of sometimes managers say, "Ah, you know, keep going, Koch. You might get your chance in the next game." Or what? What, what sort of things would he be saying to you? Oh no, he would. <clears throat> it's a usual thing, though, of what he, what he would say, which is right because, you know, when you're in a, a squad, when you're in a tournament, you never know what's going to happen. Someone could break down. You could have injuries because of the amount of games we were playing in a short space of time. Everyone had to be ready to be called upon. So you just keep yourself ready to go and hoping you're going to get that chance. Yeah. So unbelievable time, and then shortly after, where did you come? Back Amazing to Birmingham. time. Back to Birmingham. Back to Birmingham. Um, you had a little stint in India, didn't you? Yeah. What's that all about? Woo-hoo. I mean, I, I, I understand what it's all about. It's, oh, it's all about the cash, baby. But different experience. Just a whole new world. In what way? The poverty. People, you know, when we're over here, and you're thinking. Oh, he's, they haven't got much money or they're this and that and they're in really trouble in that sense but this is ridiculous in terms of there's so much poverty there you're seeing kids washing in like sewers and you, they just they haven't got a home or they're just sleeping on the side of the street or in just like empty buildings it's just until you've been there you'll never realise how, how bad the poverty is there and for I'm assuming you went over there by yourself yeah, I went over there by myself. My, what, the reason why I actually went to India, I had an offer off Ipswich, Mick McCarthy wrote me up to sign me. And I wanted a new experience. I wanted to always experience a different culture. And my wife was due um, with a baby a couple of months or two or three months after that, if not a bit more. And we were going to fly together, but she couldn't because her placenta was too low. She was obviously not advised to fly. So I ended up going there on my own. Um, just for a few weeks, really, it felt like a lifetime. So why only a few weeks? Was the season because, coming yeah, to Yeah, the season, they played like, they were, at the time, there was, there was only like six, seven games left of the season. But for a man who didn't like spending too much time by himself, maybe not the best idea to head over to not India. Not the best cost. time, but when, 
when my, my wife was coming with me. Yeah. And then she got told the day before I was flying that she wasn't allowed to go. Um, so other than that, she'd have been with me. Yeah. But I'm glad she didn't because she wouldn't have had to put up with, you know, that environment really, which is not, it wasn't great. Yeah. So what's next then, Cot? Talk to me about, you know, these talks that you do and, and what your hopes are for, you know, the next day, next stage in your life really. Can we just touch on the Birmingham, Birmingham thing going on there? Wait, we can talk about whatever um, you want. <laughs> I, the reason, I went back to Birmingham and every time, when we were Gary Rowe, the, um, you know, squad, we were like three points off third position. Owners, we beat Rotherham 4-2. Owners came up to, went into the manager's office raging, <clears> like right. called it, saying, what's going on here? You're only beating Rotherham 4-2, you should be winning 8-0. Anyone who's played championship football, any football at any level, it's difficult to win a football match, regardless of what the score. You, if you won 4-2, you won the game, just, just be happy, eh? <laughs> Don't get me wrong, you might be disappointed with the defensive problems, wherever it might be. But, so anyway, transition periods, the zone is taking over, owners, they get too much involved sometimes. Obviously, they can get involved as much as they want, it's their cash. But I think what needs to be changed out there is, well, the level of footballers who are getting told to train on their own just because they're in an X amount of money or wherever, just because they want them out of the football club. No real excuse or no real reasons if they're not being disruptive to the group at all. So who would be telling you that? The owners? Well, I'm the manager. I'm not just set putting that down to my own experience. I'm just saying in general, I think yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what okay. needs to change. Um, so we obviously had Harry, Harry Redknapp was, took over. Oh shit, yeah, I forget. So, so I got married and I went on international duty. So Gary Rowett, Gianfranco Zola yeah. and the club were made aware I was getting married. My honeymoon was going to be going over because I needed extra time because I'd been on international duty, which what normally happens. You get given a couple of weeks extra. So anyway, I'm in, on my honeymoon, get sent an email so you know you're going to be fined a week's wages because you've turned up late for training, basically. You haven't report back for pre-season. So I emailed back saying I have proof to say that I was got given permission from the managers and the club that I could have extra time off. So anyway, get back to the club made to train on my own for three days. So I go up to uh, Harry Redknapp's office and I'm like, Gaffer, can I have a word? He's like, oh, David, David. Obviously in his, you know, um, London accent. Yeah. And he's like, I was just about to pull you. I was like, oh, oh, really? I had a little chuckle to myself thinking, when a manager says that, they didn't mean it. Yeah. So I go into his office, ah, oh, I can't believe you got married so late. <laughs> And I was just like, well, the club were made aware of this time. It's the only time I got married because I went on international duty. So anyway, he's like, oh, okay, okay, now that I know that, we won't be looking into give you, taking you uh, for a week's wages or whatever. I'll just make sure that's sorted. He just kept repeating himself. can't believe you got married. No one's ever got married that late as a professional <laughs> footballer in all my time of football. So anyway, that was that. I've gone from training on my own, right, to then him putting me in the team right. to play for Birmingham in the start of 11 for a championship fixture. And um, he was, uh, he's like, I tried signing you at Spurs and Portsmouth as well, you know. Top player, top player. And um, I just started chuckling myself. I, I said, Gaffer, you can't, you've not even been picking me for this team in the championship and you want to sign me for Spurs. He's like, you can get in any team in this championship, any team. Yeah. So anyway, I had a little chuckle, shook his hand, walked out. Nice guy. And, um, you know, it is what, it, what he looks like, you know. Everyone knows what he's about. And then we were on the side of the pitch and I, I won in the start on 11 this week. And um, so he said, oh, what do you think of this guy in here we've just brought over from, I won't mention names or, or anything. He said, what do you think of this guy we've signed here? I said, oh yeah, he looks pretty decent. I said, but most people will look decent because no one's putting pressure on the ball. He goes, 
yeah, I've only put given ridiculous money. I've signed the wrong person, and he just walked <laughs> off. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, fair play. Well, at least you know it. Then. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that really. And um, obviously, you eventually get got the sack. But um, yeah, no, he's a good guy, funny guy. What you see on online with celebrity, he's got a story for days. Yeah. You, but you're talking there about the the fact you have to train by yourself, and I've seen you tweet about it. Yeah, it's it's obviously something that not means a lot to you, but but it's a it's a topic that you want bringing up. So what's going through your mind when that happens? Has it happened before? Or was it just the Birmingham that it happened to you? Well, no, it's happened. Oh, it's happened plenty. It's happened. At, it happened at Swansea um, when I was there. But that was kind of not so much in terms of training on your own. You were with the reserve teams at that well, I think, time. I think there's a rule. There is a rule. Well, there was even when I was playing that had just come in, where you're not allowed to train by yourself. I think mm. that the PFA had put something forward. It ha- there has to be a coach. And there has to be four or five players, something like that. Well, I've trained I, when I was training for those three or four days, and it's, it's happened a number of times. I've just had a fitness coach, mm. so it's kind of like the fine line. If it has to be a certain amount of people, then that's not following the guidelines. But it's not just the only reason why I touched on it is because I was negotiating a new contract at Birmingham, which I've been, you know, I've said quite a lot about that situation. But I don't. It's just one of those things I want people to be more aware of in terms especially like the PFA and people who are looking after the players is that you know if you for example I can only go on my experience if I'm talking about having a new contract I'm turning down other clubs to earn more money but I'm being committed to that football club you then end up getting told on the last day of the transfer window in January bearing in mind they rejected a bit early January from another championship team wouldn't let me go because they were rivals get trying to get promoted wouldn't let me go the last day of the transfer window, I get a phone call saying, you need to leave the club to go on loan. Otherwise, if you stay here, you're gonna, your life's going to be made hell and you're going to be training on your own. Which, that in any other working environment, you wouldn't be getting told to work on your own just because you're earning a certain amount of money or whatever it might be, or they want you out of the place. I was, I've gone from starting and actually, worst case scenario, coming on for 30 minutes. So I was inv- heavily involved in the squad. So not exactly I was missing out on the squads or anything. Yeah. To get told then I'm going to make your life hell. So you then eventually leave. You then come back. And it was no coincidence that every new manager that was taken over at that time, I'd end up, I'd be playing. And I've had one of the managers actually ring me and say that, you know, if they're at, you know, a club level, this is what happens. If the owners get involved with the team... You, they name a team, mm. the owners just come in and say, well, he's not playing or he's not playing, and they, they end up picking the team, and they're in obviously a difficult situation. But it's not just my my situation, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of footballers out there who will be getting told to go and train on their own because they're, they'll be earning way more salary than what we've ever earned. It's just my point is that it's not about the money, it's about them being as a human being. How you look after people. Yeah. I, I remember um, at Norwich, um, just being... Back to back promotions and were you involved then? I thought you dropped that one in. I was waiting for this. And uh, was that you and Lambo? Yeah. So I hardly pl- hadn't played at all, but my money went up. My agent worked. Were you well. No, no wonder. I, no wonder I love my agent. I know you. I know my, you. Mo- my money was going up, and they want they wanted me out basically. Um, Top dog were you? Twenty five. No, certainly not. But good for me. Yeah, of course. You know, and. Premier League 25-man squad, didn't it? So I wasn't going to be in that. So there were six of us that did had you to... Not, did you not go and show them the clip of uh, the strike against England? There's no fucking footage of it. I can't find it anywhere. I know, I can't. If I found that now, that would be all over my Instagram. I saw the pictures you're posting on Instagram now. I'm thinking, where's he got them ones? Some good ones, isn't it? my bald napper in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Some good ones. So anyway, 
25 man squad wasn't in it had to train you know six of us pretty much did a pre-season it's actually the fittest I've ever been and the chief exec he wanted me out you know financially it meant that they could bring somebody else in and you know the threats were made pretty much that if I if I wasn't to find a club, and we were looking, mate, we were looking. Nobody wanted, Nobody me. wanted you. Nobody wanted me. Yeah. But we were looking. I would have gone. But you know, you got, you got. How pay. did you feel when no one wanted you? Did you not feel loved? Fucking. Did you need a cuddle? Honestly, I just, I just use shit like that for, for my, for my advantage, really. And I use this situation where the threats were coming in that, you know, threatening to sack me, finding a way to sack me, and I just use that as pathetic, you know, isn't it? I, I'm going to stay strong here. You know, I, I just saw it as. It's me against you now. Who, who's who's going to crack first? I think that's the thing. When you that's what when I when I did pull um, you know the management staff whoever whoever leaves you out. I just go up to them and I just say like, look, if you want me to train on my own, fair enough. Like that's fine. But you know I'm I'm not going to get my family and move them to anywhere just because you've asked me to jump because my contract is still here for this amount of time. So if you want me to train on my own, that's fine. I won't be disruptive to the group whatsoever. But don't be pulling me in at hours of like nine o'clock at night or something stupid like that just because you want me away from the group. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. You need to still respect that person. And don't get me wrong, hours change. Schedules change being a footballer. That's the way of the world. But don't be treating me any differently just because you think that it's best for me to get out of the, the squad. Anything else you want to talk about, mate? Regain. Bloody There's <laughs> <laughs> a, a contract there for you somewhere. So what's, so what's happening with you? You're uh, getting involved in uh, more things and presenting and stuff? You enjoy retirement? Trying, mate. But again, you, you'll find... Um, you will have found it already. You know, time, over time, you just start thinking, if you sit at home waiting for a phone call, and you wait for a favour of somebody. It's not gonna happen. You'll be sitting there for a long time. Yeah. Now, straight after retiring, you're a fresh face. You're a new face that you know recently retired. You've got a story to tell. And then after a little while, you know it gets a little bit harder. Things get, get things slow down because you're not the fresh idea anymore. All of a sudden, someone else is retired, or yeah. somebody else is available. So just trying to keep busy, mate. Trying to get on this little, creating a little path for myself, really. To to. And how long you been retired? Four years now, so, so you're pre- four, presenting. Yeah. What? <laughs> what, mate? But present presenting is what I want to do. This is why I'm doing this podcast, basically. You know, but, no, you're better for podcasts because just behind closed doors, just you know, face for radio, all that sort mate, of stuff. People, people listening to this know that you're trying to take the piss now. Yeah. <laughs> this face is a beautiful sight, <laughs> mate. <laughs> you're a beautiful specimen. Number forty-two, sexiest man in Wales, two thousand and eight, mate. Wow. I haven't been why in the you list. Know these stats? I haven't been in the list since then. That's fucking wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it's just because you're not on... Exactly, you're behind closed doors, face for radio. Do you remember Glyn from Big Brother? He was ahead of me, mate. I don't remember him. Yeah, good. Good little prick. <laughs> How dare they put him in the top ten and not me, Is mate. he top ten? I think he just goes off a little bit of... Dave Jones is ahead of me because he was Cardiff manager. He wasn't even Welsh, but no. he lived in Wales. He was in the top ten. You winding me up, mate. Joke list. It's a ma- major threat, is he? <laughs> So what's the plan then, Cots? Tell me these. So I'm speaking events. You know what? You describe what you're doing now, and describe what you think is a little pathway for yourself. Okay, so at the moment I'm involved with a company called Playmaker, which I'm sure you've probably seen all over my social media. It's basically it's a device that goes around your boot, one left foot, one right foot. It it does it so it gives you the physical data. 
So it tracks physical data just like GPS does, um, but it's it can be worked. It uses indoors as well, so it's just it's thirty percent accurate more than GPS outdoors. Basically, you can use it indoors, outdoors, and it just tracks your more data on ball control. So when a, when you're developing a player or you're involved with the first team players, it tells you how the amount of touches a player is getting on the ball and if he's losing possession, who he's combining with. Is he using his left foot, right foot more? It just gives you more physical data and leg use, basically, which is obviously good for injury prevention. So I'm going down that route because I really believe that it's good for the younger generation, good for all footballers, to be honest. It's just going to be used all over the world eventually. It's going to just change sport. And then going around to dinners, mental health? Going around, so that side of things, I still stay in touch with, with football, which I know, but kind of, Dipping in and out, if that makes sense. I'm with good people who know about technology, whereas I obviously speak to football clubs on that side of things. And then the mental... And to be honest, when I'm going in to do this player make, make stuff, a lot of clubs want me to talk to their players about mental health. So it works quite handy in that respect because I can do two things at once. And what sort of things will you be saying to them? You, you know, your experiences, yeah, the so pitfalls, I've, what to avoid? Yeah, so I've got um, a talk with the under 15, 16 with Wales on the 4th of December. So for example, I go in there, talk and just tell them about my experiences and kind of having a plan B because not everyone's gonna make it as a footballer. Like when I was doing a talk with the Birmingham under 23s and 18s the other week, um, you know, you have all these young kids looking at you thinking, yeah, I'm gonna make it as a footballer, blah, 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 I don't, this and that, but the reality is probably 2% of that room or if not lower, is going to make as a footballer. So you need to have that plan B because you don't have that rejection of them thinking, right, I can't make as a footballer, I haven't got nothing else to fall back on because then that's when mental health will probably still will kick in as yeah. well. One last thing, mate, it just crossed my mind. We're going to be teaming up again, I think. Why? What, what are you doing for me? Start of January. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Soccer Start, sixes, mate. I tell you what, I need to get in uh, some shape. We're in, mate. These... Right, my knee... Danny Gabidon's back. Jack, Jack Collison, oh, his knee. What a player Jack was. We could go on about him for half hour, but really, oh, I hope not because he chewed my ear. Off. Great player, good, good, great, good guy. Mate, he's got one. I think Jack's got one game in him. And that knee, then. Yeah, that Bruce Lee's gonna be flying That's out there, flying out the arena. So, you know, I think we're we're relying on you and Jammer to, to no, be closing Jammer, down Jammer's in good shape Jammer's in good Jammer's shape Jammer's in great shape he's like Benjamin Button he's getting better with age have you seen who he signed yesterday who's he signed have you not seen the, our newest recruit mate oh here we go you're going to love this here we have go. you not seen it no so uh, we're struggling at the moment we haven't got a goalkeeper but you know who can... who's the goalkeeper we haven't got Owen, one Owen Fon Williams no we haven't got one Owen's still playing isn't he I thought he would, I thought he um... <clears throat> no he's still playing Show us the goalkeeper. Don't tell me you're the goalkeeper. No, we haven't got a goalkeeper. We don't need one. New formation. I think I'm going to start working on my upper body. Be be I'm surprised you didn't go for goal. There he is, mate. Giggsy's in. Is he? He's in, mate. Yeah, Giggsy playing. That's top door, isn't it, eh? You're loving that, He's going to be thinking, who, who is this long guy in midfield? He's never heard of you, have he? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, mate. Hey. I don't even care, So mate. what's going on with the grey hair, then? Like, you're looking at, you've had that for a while, haven't you? I remember when we used to go away, actually, you used to there stress. Was a, stress? No stress. No stress? No stress in my life, mate. But, you know, the grey started early, and... I tell you what, you're living the dream if you've never come across stress in your life. 
I deal with stress, mate. I deal with it. I, the stress goes straight into my hair, and then it just soaks it up. At least you have some hair. I'd take that grey hair all over this. You would, didn't you? Yeah, I'd love it. Too. So we, we've got a little appearance with Giggsy in January, mate. That's nice. And he's going to be thinking, who is this stiff man at the back? Oh, don't worry. I'll be like, you'd be like, thinking, who's this light bulb? <laughs> have you seen that bulb napper? We're going to be coming up against some good players, mate. Who's going? Perez is playing for the rest of the world team. Oh, wow. Okoche. Oh. Um, who else is there? There's a few names. I'm mate. not being funny. I need to start getting in the gym then because I'm going to be in real. Have mate, you this is se- this is serious. Not football based. Yeah, I don't run anymore, mate. I can't run. I'm going to show you little clips now of who's coming. Some of the football. By the way, played. some of the stuff that Akocha used to do. I'll show. I'll show you off. Uh, we'll wrap this up now, mate. Akocha, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Um, good luck with the future. Good luck with whatever endeavors that you have. Hopefully. Thank you very much. I'll do some presenting with you next time. I'll teach you how to do it and stop, uh, you know, stumbling on words, stuttering, I my friend. Love, I'd love to see you give it a bash, mate. Uh, you just see my... I'll be sweating. Oh, I'll be a nervous wreck. I would, to be fair, just like you. Leave that to the pros, mate. <laughs> Tom on cards. Thanks, mate. And there we have it. Big thank you to David Cottrell for his time. Busy man these days. He's got plenty going on. Um, but it was good to catch up with a former teammate of mine, recently retired, um, and I'm sure you'll all agree, he's got a story to tell, his own experiences, good and bad, within the football world. So big thanks to Dave for his time, for opening up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you did, if it was the first one you've listened to, then get into the back catalogue. There's plenty of them now. I'm sure you'll find another one to your taste. And if you have enjoyed it, let's pass it on. Let's spread the word about the Longman's Football World podcast. Tell a friend to jump on board and uh, get them to leave a review. Get them to subscribe and leave a rating and all that other nonsense. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Till the next time.